Welcome to the Hey Human podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hey Human podcast. I'm Neil Davidson, CEO of Hey Human. For the uninitiated, Hey Human specializes in brand, content, social, and experiential. We use a focus on behaviors and neuroscience to connect brands with people in new ways. With that in mind, we decided to call this series Behavior Changing Ideas. In each episode, I'll be joined by clients and industry friends, old and new, to talk through their thinking, their challenges, and how they are cracking marketing challenges focused on changing behaviors. I'm joined today by Carl Jones. Carl is an award-winning international creative director who has worked globally in advertising before moving into academia. His previous agencies include Gray, BBDO, and Ogilvy and Mather. Currently, Carl is a senior lecturer at the University of Westminster, teaching PR and advertising. And Carl publishes his research on advertising in many academic journals. And welcome, Carl. Thank you very much, Neil. It's a great pleasure and thanks for inviting me. So, Carl, let's get straight into it, onto the topic we're talking about today, the importance of insights in triggering great creative ideas. I think, you know, as well as there being a lively debate about it in the industry, the world of insights has never been more relevant as we track changes and behaviours and habits because of lockdown and also debate whether the latest research report is full of insight into these new behaviors amongst people, or is it just lots of stats? I mean, I think, you know, for me, consumer insights come from a more people-focused model of marketing and advertising. And I think as a general starter and marker, I sort of describe an insight as a non-obvious understanding about your potential consumers, which, if acted upon, has got the potential to change their behavior for mutual benefit, i.e. the people and the brand. So, Carl, let's start with what might be slightly misleading uh, to describe as a simple question, because I'm not sure, because there's so many definitions. But putting that to one side, Carl, how would you define an insight from a creative perspective? So I would define an insight as research into a potential target market and looking for those nuggets of original pieces of information into the area that we're trying to uh, explore or understand. You know, there Mm -hmm. was a really great ad in the 1970s. It was a print ad. And uh, I think the agency was Scully McCabe Sloves in the United States. And it was a very simple ad of a plate of nuts, bolts. There was a candle there. There was a painting. And the idea was that uh, when you go to restaurants, the price some restaurants charge is like you're paying for the atmosphere, not for the food. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really great insight. And I think, you know, before the British really sort of created this idea of planners and uh, that ended up dominating a lot of how advertising is created now around the world. Um, It was creative people that actually came up with insights and then those insights actually were the ad, were the headline. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point how it's changed over the years. I mean, particularly that move from sort of creative to planner. I mean, for you, 
as a creative, what what is the role for a great insight in terms of helping you trigger a great idea? Well, I think an insight, and I, I personally, I do enjoy insights. I really do think they help creative people. Um, I think mm-hmm. they focus the creative. Uh, and so what I do is when I get the, the, the insight, I often go through each word in the written insights and decode. And, uh, and then that helps me generating ideas. It's kind of like a mind mapping. Um, but basically, I think the role of a great insight mm-hmm. is the inspiration for great creative ideas. It's a bit of a spark for creatives in terms of what makes people tick and sticking it in the context of that brand is, is kind of fertile kind of area for a creative to work in. Is that fair? Yes. And also it gives creative people information that they don't already know. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, creative people come from a certain background, come from a certain education or class level. So they don't necessarily know how everybody thinks in the world. You know what I mean? So as yeah. a creative person, you've got to come up with that messages that are targeted. So those insights help creative people understand in more detail the type of people or the category that they are uh, working on. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, for me, you know, there are many insights flying around and some are insights and some potentially are not. I mean, so for you, you know, what is the difference between a great insight and a weak insight? Great question. I think (laughs) a weak insight, I think it's a generic one. So for example, I worked on Pepsi for 10 years Mm -hmm. and oh God, the insights that I had, you know, that people drink soda to refresh their mouths, things like that. And it's also very, in those types of categories, it's very difficult to find an insight that is specific for your brand, let alone mm-hmm. the category. You know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi are the same. They're both brown fizzy liquids, and it's very hard to find insights to separate the two. That's sort of an example of a, a, a weak insight because I think it's generic, one that all brands use in the category. I think yeah. a great insight was the Cadbury Gorilla where they had the gorilla playing the drums to that great Phil Collins song in the air tonight. Mm -hmm. And I thought that what was great about that insight, and I think it really revolutionized global advertising, was that it represented a feeling. And so the creative ended up representing the feeling of eating a chocolate bar Mm -hmm. rather than being very rational. And uh, I remember when that ad won the Grand Prix, the audience was quiet, except for the British people, because the Brits had already seen the ad and it had received a lot of pre-publicity, like agencies do, you know, with the PR releases and people understood the idea behind it. But outside of Britain, it wasn't known. So uh, people were like, what? Why did that win? What was the meaning of that ad? Why a gorilla? Why Phil Collins? But then once people understood about the insight and that it was to reflect uh, an emotion, I think that Mm. sort of revolutionized a whole new style of advertising. And as a creative, often a a thing I want to say is that when an insight is, is generic, it really does put a lot of pressure on the creative people to come up with an original way of saying 
this insight. So like I said, Pepsi yeah. is refreshing. You know, I, I received that as an insight. And just it's so hard on a creative person just to because people expect so much from creativity. And, you know, if if an advertising is teamwork. So I think insight is one part of that process in order to create a great ad. And, uh, and if you do have a weak insight, then I think you're going to end up with weak advertising. Yeah, I think it's completely a fair point. I mean, you know, what you and I have talked about before, you know, it's not just insight generation is not just the job of agencies anymore. It's something that a lot of client organizations uh, focus on as well. So where, where do you think clients and agencies go wrong when it comes to insights, Carl? Okay, I think sometimes... I've worked in different sort of countries on different brands and sometimes, and I'm, I'm not saying all clients are like that, but sometimes when you have a bit more junior clients and they see this insight and the way it's written in the brief, they are expecting a literal translation in the creative mm-hmm. of that insight. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes an insight is a springboard for mm-hmm. ideas. And sometimes the creative idea has been influenced by the insight, but it's not a direct interpretation. And sometimes clients can, I've had uh, instances where clients have rejected ideas because it's not an exact representation of the insights the insight. that were given in the brief. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's too slavishly holding on to that. I mean, you know, I think there's been a lot written recently about insights that they've become quite vanilla that they're often rarely a true insight, so they don't help trigger, you know, ideas that in the end will change behaviors. So, I mean, from your point of view, what can clients and agencies do about this kind of seemingly more, a move towards more bland insights? What can they do about that? Uh, One thing I think is very important is if a thorough investigation of the competition and the type mm-hmm. of advertising and branding the competition does. And what agencies, I think, need to do is decode those ads that the competition are doing and see what insights they have and what they yeah. are saying and doing. And then at least you are not going to be saying something that other other brands have been doing, right? And so at yeah. least that will help you create more of an original insight. But also another thing I'd like to say is that often insights sometimes are more demographic and maybe they should be based on regions. So for example, Mm -hmm. soda, like in some regions, people say soda, other regions, people say pop, other regions, people say Coke. So uh, insights should not be so, I think, demographic based as well. Makes sense. And talking about that, you know, regional piece and demographics, etc. We touched on it already when we talked about cabarets and different sort of viewpoints. I think their most challenging piece of business potentially to generate, you know, insights that cut through is on a global account. You know, so, mm. you know, whether, you know, people are coming up with genuine insights and particularly uh, something that you've got a lot of knowledge on is not imposing our world view on yeah. others, you know, other people in other markets. So, I mean, any thoughts on that and sort of avoiding that and actually generating true insights for global work? Yeah, great. I love this question. <laughs> I think one is hiring when 
agencies hire people and the big trend now in advertising, if you look at uh, the media uh, industry papers, are that uh, we hire diverse, right? And I think mm -hmm. that is true. We need to hire, for example, in London, we need to sort of hire non-UK, non-Western thinking people to work on accounts in creative or planning. And then I think what this allows is for a non-Western point of view and also helps uh, create original thinking um, because it gives you people that don't look at things through the same lens. So we in advertising tend to be from the same mold. And when you go to the Cannes Advertising Festival and you look along the crossette, you know, around seven o'clock when everybody's sort of leaving or going towards the Palais and lined up, it's very much a sea of white faces and mm. um and it's supposed to be a global international festival and we seem to hire people from the same type of cookie cutter in advertising uh, and even if agencies do hire people of color those people often represent the same way of thinking that everybody mm. else does in the agency so i i think it's not necessarily diversity is a racial or ethnic thing it's also a way of thinking and also, I think looking at the research methods that are used to gain insights, you know, whether it's surveys or whether it's neuroscience. So, mm -hmm. for example, if a person's grown up in the UK and educated in the UK, whether they're white or a person of color, I'm assuming that they will have and think like a British person. So they will have that type of thinking. And if that person goes to Asia or Africa to do research, then they will look at the results of the research through more of a UK lens. So yeah. searching for insights, that means just that person who's from, say, a British way of thinking may bypass other types of insights that may be more relevant for those Asians or Africans that you're trying to speak to. So that's why I think it's important to have people who are mentally diverse. I think it's more than physically diverse. It's more mentally diverse is what we need to do. Makes sense. I mean, you know, I, th I think we'll uh, we'll jump on to some final tips, but I think, you know, the, the thing that I'm taking out of it is, you know, diverse ways of generating insights and diverse groups of people, but not just the most simplistic definitions of diversity as well, because, you know, there are... Right. You know, like you said, neurodiversity, class diversity, just background uh, yeah. all takes a different lens. So, so, Carl, some final top tips on insights that make a difference. Clients and agencies, what would your top tips be? Okay, one of the first things I think is originality. So make sure that if you've seen this insight and you think you've seen it before, then don't do it and look for something that's <laughs> original. Advertising is a creative process and it shouldn't just depend on the creative people to come up with an original idea. I do think it begins with the insights that are part of a brief. Another thing I want to mention is regarding using neuroscience or neuromarketing mm -hmm. to sort of research and look for these insights. And they can be used. I think neuroscience can be good to look for insights in how consumers deal with uh digital world. I mean, we're mm -hmm. all working now at home from our computers. Well, a lot of us are, not everybody. But mm -hmm. uh, And neuroscience is very good at creating big data. And we can use that to gain sort of other types of insights. So not just in how people react to a product, but how they are navigating. And that can help us sort of understand and give us insights in how to get deliver messaging more effectively to people. An example is Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica, mm -hmm. I think, really damaged advertising. I think it has not helped us and it gave us 
It's just helped lower the respect people have for advertising because people think advertising is something that is manipulative. However, I think when I basically look at what Cambridge Analytica did, you know, they looked at the data of how people navigate and use SEO and terms they use in Google. So, you know, so if you put the word Brexit, then they would have had three different ads ready, uh, knowing what your background mm. is, and they would know exactly how to target you with something actually that people don't think is an ad, which is wh what comes first in the Google list of uh, answers to the question that you had. I do believe in big data. I think big data is very good, but it's only digital and, and not everybody is digital. I think it's an important thing yeah. to be aware. You know, we you talked earlier about global and I'm here in Mexico City. You know, and one of the reasons COVID has spread a lot in Mexico is because 50%, well, close to 50% of the people live below poverty level. So those people are not at home like me working on their computers. Yeah. And so those people are working and walking around. So more analog uh, advertising is effective is with them. So I don't think we should also be jumping on this big data bandwagon. We need to be aware that there are uh, many people in the world that are not digitally savvy or are not being tracked by big data, you know? So we also need to be aware of the old ways of analog advertising. Yeah, and I think that's a good example of taking the world view of where you, you're sitting at the moment into another part of the world. You know, if you live in a country with high digital penetration, you shouldn't be assuming that that's the, the kind of uh, standard situation for other countries, other markets. Right, so. exactly. Spot on. Thank you, Carl. I, I have to give a name check to the best worst insight that I ever saw, which uh, I won't name the brand, but went along the lines of, for this brand, almost all impulse purchases are unplanned. Uh, and that actually <laughs> went into brief uh, after a lot of research as well. So th there's still work to do. This is Hey Human. Come see us. Heyhuman.com. Carl, you are in a warm location, so the allure of a desert island location might not be so strong for you versus me sitting in rainy Putney. But anyway, uh, let's take you off to a warm, sunny island in an unspecified location for a few desert island questions. So best lockdown ad for you, Carl? Well... I don't know whether it's a lockdown ad, but it's a campaign that I saw during lockdown. And it was one from, I think it was FCB Toronto, mm -hmm. and it was Go Back to Africa. And it sounds very provocative, right? Mm. And what they did is that they, the campaign hijacked people using racist hashtags. And, right. you know, uh, often white supremacists or racist people say, oh, you know, you're not British. Why don't you go back to Africa where you belong? Mm. And this ad took that insight and uh, created a TV commercial convincing people to go on holiday in Africa, convincing African people. Uh, Canadians or African-Americans to go back to Africa and vacation. And I thought that was a very, very interesting uh, idea and campaign. Nice. We could create a program about the next question, but I'll, I'll just ask you for one. Worst lockdown ad for you? Well, do you know, 
what re really made me sort of uh, react negatively were the Ryanair and EasyJet ads. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> you know, well, that and just the fact that in the news, I'm watching the government telling us no one is allowed to travel. You are not allowed to leave the country. Then I go to my phone and I get an email from Ryan Jett telling me, go now. Now's a better chance, better chance to buy tickets to, for your holidays. And I just, I, I don't think that was very smart on them. So that just caused me negative feelings towards those brands. And the other thing I want to say is that now, because a lot of people in the UK, for example, are relying on digital media to interact and see people, of course, advertising is spending a lot of money to reach those mm -hmm. people on computers and things like Facebook. And I think ads like Facebook, just those ads that are there, because they're so cookie cutter and because they only limit the amount of words you can use in a headline, then they have a certain size for the image. I, I just think that also helps create generic advertising and mm. uh, stuff that doesn't ha have impact. So, uh, I, and I think that's so. Uh, all those Facebook ads that I've been seeing as well, I think, are part of my worst lockdown. Yeah, I agree. Final question, Carl. From the UK perspective, at least, it's 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 a year in. There's a lot of bad stuff around the pandemic, but also. I think, you know, there's things have changed for some people, sometimes for the better. So if you've if you, if you got a, a positive memory from the last year. Yes, actually, I do. And it's from my working at the University of Westminster and mm -hmm. communicating through Zoom. It's been very interesting using Zoom or apps that are similar, like Microsoft Teams, to communicate. So two things. One is using Zoom to talk to my family. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's a pleasure. Uh, it's, a, it's <laughs> a, you know, my mother, I'm seeing my mother's head and then trying to tell my mother how to turn on the microphone. You know, yeah. mom, look for the microphone icon. And what, what's that? And, uh, and then the other thing that uh, I thought was a positive experience is that, and my mother doesn't know how to use Zoom now, that, which is great, um, is with yeah. students. So I have students that are uh, taking classes in London, but they're based in China, they're based in Bulgaria, Romania, Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was very skeptical about teaching online. And I yeah. thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to get across the learnings that I need to do regarding PR and advertising through an app like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. And you know what? We were able to. And uh, yeah. I know that by the assessments that the students did and how they demonstrated that they understood the concepts that we wanted them to learn. And that was very, very satisfying. And so I have a big appreciation now and respect for online teaching. I think it is another way of learning. And I think what is terrific also is how the young people, the students adapted and uh, made things work. And uh, yeah. it's the future. I see and advertising pitches are done now through online. And I think that's a positive thing, you know, in terms of saving money for clients and budgets. There's a client that I know uh, for uh, a brand in London, and they did a film shoot in New York, but it was mm. done. And they were able to supervise it all through Zoom. And so I do think there are positive things that have come out of this pandemic. Yeah, it's a crushing blow to the world of agency air miles, but we're just going to have to uh, we're just going to have to suck that up, aren't we? Yes. Looking to the future of marketing, I mean, 
goodness knows where we're going next. There's a lot of change happened and coming. Any sort of maybe two or three tips for marketers going forward? Yeah, I think one thing we need to be aware of are algorithms. Algorithms and racism is a subject that is becoming more and more popular, I think, every day from when I'm looking at different medias and communications, talking about advertising and communication around the world. And, you know, it's the fact that algorithms are created by humans and uh, and then they take a life of their own. But what's been happening is things like on Instagram, there was a story recently, uh, late last year, about black bodies versus white bodies. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was a famous Instagrammer, a person of color, and she posted a picture of herself with her hand over her nipples and a very artistic picture. And it was deemed offensive and taken down. However, on Instagram there were other pictures of skinny white women with Mm. in the same type of pose and they were not deemed offensive or taken down. And that was all done not by humans, but by an algorithm. And of course, Instagram and Facebook exist because of advertising. We pay for it, our industry. So we are part and we're complicit in that. So I think we need to be aware of that, that sort of uh, thing that's happening right now, because we will take the blame again, you know, just like I talked earlier about how advertising took the blame uh, for Cambridge Analytica. Another Mm. thing I think uh, that is going to be interesting is because of the pandemic and eating and ordering out and uh, just what will happen to restaurants once the pandemic is over and will we continue ordering in? And uh, or will restaurants have to change to give you more than just food so that yeah. when you go to a restaurant, you know, theme restaurants, maybe they will take off. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, there's stuff happening there in the food world and there's going to be a big shift again. And the other thing uh, about the future marketing is tokenism, about the hiring of a token female or a person of color yeah. so that the agency appears diverse. We need to be aware of this idea of tokenism and diversity just because we're reacting to a big theme now. And we need to be very careful in how we handle that as an industry. And also this idea of fake news and misinformation and disinformation. Again, that information comes across on social media and this advertising that pays for those messaging. So uh, we need to sort of have more discussions. And, uh, and what I, bothers me is that we're always reacting. We should be more proactive. And I think in academia, a lot of research is being done in this area. And I think the industry needs to look more towards academia to see what are those trends before it reaches the newspapers. And then again, people criticize advertising or the government takes control or things like that. You know, we, we just I think we need to be more proactive as an industry. Yeah. We, yeah. Like you say, we need to lead the agenda more rather than just react to it. Thank you very much for that, Cal. And, and that is it for this episode. And many thanks to Carl Jones for some fascinating perspectives. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, which I'm sure you must have, do make sure to subscribe from your preferred provider. And that means you'll get each new episode automatically. 
And also do us a favor and make sure you leave a good review too. So until the next episode, goodbye from me and see you soon. The Hey Human Podcast. Behaviour changing ideas.